This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Honored to have you here today, but before we even get rolling today, if we have anyone in the room who is a veteran of our great country, why don't you stand up here today? We just want to honor you or anybody who's here today who is in the military. Yeah, go ahead and stand up. Yeah. We want to honor you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm just going to ask you to bow your head in prayer. Let's pray today. Father God, we thank you for our nation. The Lord was found first and foremost by godly principles and godly men and women. But Lord, today you said to honor those where honor is due. And so Lord, we honor all the the men and women of the past, men and women that died for our country. And Lord, even today, we lift up the men and women of our nation that are serving right now or will serve. We ask you to watch over and protect them and bless them. But again today, Lord, we ask you to grace them and that their honor be put upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good to see you here today. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand? Get your hand up real high. Once you get a Bible, we get in the book of Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we are still on our series on dominion. And so some of the scriptures that jump out in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 20, it says the kingdom of God is not in word but in power. The kingdom. Now remember the word kingdom is divided into word. The king where there's dominion. Actually, Matthew 6, says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. So again, we begin to get a little bit of enlightenment just through the word kingdom. And we get the honor to walk in the dominion that the king's given us. So we begin here, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints... Do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Now, I want to highlight just verse 15 and 16 briefly here. This was the Apostle Paul, or the Apostle uh, Paul's prayer right here. And his prayer is for progression toward maturity, but also that the saints of God see the greatness, the power, and authority they have because of salvation. Now, the reason I want to highlight, if this was Paul's prayer, this can be in you and in mine prayer too. Not only for us, but also for family members. So let's, let's watch here what he prayed. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom. Now, when you see the word wisdom, wisdom is practical and and workable principles. So he said, pray for wisdom. I don't know if you've ever done that, but man, I need wisdom. He goes on to say, and revelation, understanding a clear perception in the knowledge of him, in the knowledge of Jesus, and that we may receive insight in the way God's word is indeed meant to work in our lives. So we can pray for for wisdom. We can pray that understanding or revelation. Now watch here in verse 18. 
that the eyes of, of your understanding being enlightened, the, the God's wealth of his investment in me and you is known. I don't know if you've ever prayed that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened, but it's powerful. And so look what his, his prayer is for this sis. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. God wants to reveal to you his calling. What the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Every one of us in here, we got some riches. We got some inheritance. So pray that God shows them to you. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power. That word according there means to the exact degree. And so this is God's heart right here that every one of us here begin to see and notice this. Verse 20. Which he worked or brought in Christ Jesus when he raised from them the dead and he seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Far above principality and power and might and dominion, which is literally ruling authorities. The, the demonic spirits that try to manipulate mankind into wrong behavior. And he said that Jesus' name is far above these. That his name is not only named in this age, but also that is which is to come. So the name of Jesus, it's good. Not only now, but forever. And he put all things under Jesus' feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Now, Jesus paid a, a huge price for the church. He said in Matthew 16, I build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So it's interesting right here. He gave him the name of above every name, but he also said that Jesus would be head over the church. Look at verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of them who fills all in all. So Jesus is the head. And if you're born again, you're part of the body. We're the body of Christ. So we get the blessing off of what the head, the Lord Jesus, has provided every one of us in here. Now, turn with me to the, the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And as, as you're going there, I'm going to read in verse 20. But 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if you've given your heart to Jesus, confessed him as Lord and believed with your, your heart that he's Lord, according to this verse, you're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now, because you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, look at verse 20. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors. You are an ambassador. Some translation says, you are a messenger. You are the Lord's representative here on this earth. Now you may not know that you're an ambassador till now, but according to this scripture, you're an ambassador. Keep reading. For Christ. As though God were pleading through us. As though God petitions through us. You're his hands. You're his feet. You're his voice. 
And he goes on and says the last part of verse 20. We implore you or we commission you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. So you look at the word ambassadors there. Do you know in our nation we have ambassadors that go all over across this world? There's ones that would be called the ambassador to Israel, the ambassador to China, the ambassador to all these foreign countries. So when they go as these ambassadors, they have the full authority of our nation behind them. In other words, they are a, a delegation that's sent on behalf of the United States of America. So in order for to do that, they have the power. So it would look kind of like this, that is if you're a parent and you were leaving for the weekend, you would sign a piece of paper that is literally the power of attorney that your children or the person that's watching your children has the power of an attorney to, to do what you would do if you were present. This is exactly how the name of Jesus is, that we've been given the power of attorney and everything we do we do in the name of Jesus because we're ambassadors. You guys are excited about that. Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Now as you're turning to Luke 10, if you were here a week ago, and I'm going to review this briefly, we studied in John 14, verses 12, 13, and 14, that it was red letter words and the Lord Jesus said this, the works that I do, you will do also, but greater. And then he said in verse 13, he said, and whatever you ask in my name, it will be done. So not only does Jesus tell us the works that we do will be greater than what he does, but he says, you're going to do them in the name of Jesus. So with that thought there, the works that I do, you'll do also and greater. To understand the mindset that Jesus was talking about when he said those words, it was cross-referenced right here into Luke chapter 10, verse 17. So I want you to see the lines biblically that Jesus' mindset was on. Luke 10, verse 17. Then the 70 returned with joy. Now, I want to highlight the 70 here because none of these were the original 12 apostles or disciples. But their assignment that was given to them was very similar than that which was given to the same original 12 disciples that was given in Matthew chapter 5 or Matthew chapter 10 verses 5 through 14. And so when you see this here, it talks about the 70. Another thing that may interest you a little bit, the number 70 among the Jews was representative of the 70 Jewish nations. So the 70 returned, now watch this, with joy saying, Lord. Saying, Lord. So that statement right there, that is Jesus is Lord of your life, that is you confess him as Lord, you're born again. So he's addressing this to believers. And these believers said, Lord, now watch this. Even the demons are subject to us. Even the demons submit to us. Even the demons obey us. 
That word subject means they are held by, they are bound by. It's a military word to mean they rank under. So he said, even the demons are subject to us in your name. The name of Jesus signifies authority. And so literally he's saying that the demons are subject to you because you have authority and dominion over them in the name of Jesus. So my identity is in the name of Jesus. Now, when I look at this verse, this is enlightenment of what Jesus said. And the things or the works that I did, you'll do also and greater. So literally, you know what verse 17 says to me? Jesus was telling me and you, because of the authority and dominion we have in Jesus' name, don't put up with the devil. Don't put up with him. Verse 18. And Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And and most believe this is the present and ultimate defeat of of Satan. Jesus said, I I saw him cast down from heaven, uh, a meaning or signifying he was booted out. Verse 19. Behold, one translation says, look, the temporary English version for the word behold says, Listen, listen, I give you, the believers, the one who knows that I'm Lord of their life, I give you authority, power, or dominion to trample, to tread upon, to walk upon serpents and scorpions. Who said that? Jesus did. And he didn't say, I'm going to do it for you. He said, I give you the authority. Now, what's interesting about the word serpent and scorpion, if we went back to Genesis 3, when when the devil went into the Garden of Eden, remember it said he went in as a serpent. Revelation 12, 9 calls the devil the serpent of old. So in Jesus' wording here, when he talked about serpents and scorpions, he was literally talking about the devil and demons. And I said, I give you authority. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Now watch what he says. And over all the power of the enemy. Over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. And so Jesus has given us authority. He's armed us. Verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, that the spirits are submitted to you. In other words, you have dominion. Now again, I want to highlight this. His exact words are here. Don't rejoice in this, but he doesn't doesn't diminish this fact that the demonic spirits are, are dominated by me and you when we know our authority. But he said, that's not the main principle here. Look what he goes on to say. But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So he said, Your greatest achievement is that your name is registered or enrolled in the books of heaven. Your greatest achievements aren't what you do for God, but what God's done for you. But again, I I cannot downplay what he said right here, which was the demons are subject to you in my name. In my name. 
Now, here's the issue that we begin to run into, and this is a question I've had asked to me. So, Pastor, why does the name of Jesus not work like it's supposed to or it says it does in the Bible? Why does that not happen in America? Why does that not happen in our lives? Well, there's a couple things. One thing is this, that Jesus must be Lord of your life. In other words, Jesus isn't into dating, he's into marrying you. And so again, when people aren't truly born again and live for the Lord from all, with all their heart, and I'm not saying being perfect, but if you were to look at there were seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts chapter 19, and it says they implored these spirits, these false spirits, by the same God that Paul did, they didn't have any success or results. So literally right here, they, they didn't know the Lord in a relationship or a personal way. Now, turn to me with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And as you're turning there, I, I'm not going to highlight this, this passage of Scripture fully this week. I will do it in the upcoming weeks. But in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says this. Lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. So there's things in my life that I can do that literally hinder me. Again, it, it's very evident that one of those things is sin. We'll deal with that in the up, upcoming weeks. But again, when I begin to look at every weight, what would be a weight? Well, begin with me, and I believe this is one of the greatest weights of all. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. For this end I also wrote that I may put you to the test. Now, every one of us are going to be in a test. What's the test? Keep reading. Whether you are obedient in all things. So it's a test of my obedience. And note, he said, in all things. Now, whom you forgive anything. Now, whom? That word whom there, I believe, is saying it's a human being. So to human beings, you forgive anything. I also forgive. So literally he's telling me when I forgive another human being, he said, I would forgive you, but you might as well read into that. So when I don't forgive another human being, then he can't forgive. Keep reading here. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Now it's interesting, he said, when you forgive, I've forgiven that one for your sakes. And this is where I think we really mess up, and I say we when it comes to forgiveness. We have the thought that when I forgive another person, it's for their sakes. No, it's for my sake. It's for my sake. Because if I hold on to that unforgiveness... There's something that starts stirring in inside of me. And the more I hang on to unforgiveness, the more this thing called bitterness 
starts taking form on the inside of me. And when I allow unforgiveness to begin to take shape in me, it leads to forms of not only bitterness, but sorrow and depression. And my future is ultimately controlled by my past. And what I mean by that, many of us in here, we have spreadsheets of our life's history. And we can tell you the hour. We can tell you the day. We can tell you the month and the year that this person did this to me. Now let me quote a scripture here that I believe will help you. The Lord Jesus said in Luke 17, he said in verse 1, it is impossible that offenses don't come. Now this was Jesus' words. Now he's given a strong warning. You know what he's saying? As long as you're on this earth, offenses are going to come. So I begin to look at the word offense, and I looked at this verse in every translation I could find. Listen to what some of these verses say on, on the word offense. The Amplified says that temptations, snares, traps set to entice sin are sure to come. The New American Standard says it's inevitable that stumbling blocks come. The New International Version says things that cause people to sin are going to come. So when Jesus said it's impossible that our fences are, are going to come, the issue isn't if fence is going to come or not. The issue is how me and you respond to them. And here's what happens as human being. When we get offended, one of two things going to happen. You're going to forgive them or you're going to hang on to them. And when I begin to hang on to them, it's not good. Now look what he says here in verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. So when I hold on to unforgiveness, Satan takes advantage of us. One translation says he'll outwit you. He'll outsmart you. So in this right here, I open the door to the devil because of my lack of, of receiving or giving forgiveness. Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of his schemes. And so I believe this, that one of the schemes of the devil is to try to get you to think, it's okay for me to hold on to grudges. It's okay for me to plot vengeance in my mind. It's okay. And he wants us to believe that. Now turn with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. This is the same passage that I quoted, Hebrews 12, 1, which tells us there's things that try to weight us down. Try to things that, that lead to sin. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with all people. I don't believe the Bible would have told us to do that if that wasn't possible. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. And so when you see what he's talking about, 
there's a conflict within this world and we are to seek peace with all people, but not at the expense of sacrificing holiness. Now watch the next verse. And this is where I believe it'll highlight one of the weights that tries to ensnare us. We become so easily ensnared is this verse right here. Looking carefully or watchfully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Don't uh, refuse the grace of God or miss the benefits of God's grace. Lest any root of bitterness spring up within you. A root of bitterness spring up within you. Now think about the wording right there. The root of bitterness. You plant a seed in the ground. Just because you can't see anything above ground doesn't mean stuff's not happening. Actually, before that little seedling begins to break through the ground, it's at work underneath the ground establishing a root system. And so we as human beings right here, we can look calm, cool, and collected on the outside. We can come in here and know how to speak in Christianese. But yet on the inside or underneath what we actually see, there's a root of bitterness that's taking place. And look what he said would happen with the root of bitterness. That it would spring up and it would cause trouble. That root of bitterness would cause trouble. And we become like a prisoner of war. We relive the past over and over and over. And these imaginations keep showing up. And you know what a lot of people say? Well, they don't deserve to be forgiven. And when I live with that thought right there, it'll sabotage your faith. It'll sabotage the blessings of God in your life. I don't care who we are. You know what I found out forgiveness is like? It's a lot like money. We all like to get it, but we sure don't like to give it. It'll spring up and it'll cause trouble. Now look at the end part here. And by this, unforgiveness that wasn't dealt with comes to bitterness. And by this, the root of bitterness Many, many, many believers become defiled. Many become defiled. Many become contaminated. And so when I begin to look at this, I think, could this be the problem? You know, when you go into another country, one of the first things you do is you ask what the rate of exchange is for money. In other words, what is a $1 United States bill worth in your currency? So how that would kind of look compared to the Chinese yen. In Israel, it's the shekel. In uh, Mexico, it would be like the peso. Why do we ask that when we go in there? Because the rate of currency, the exchange of that, it fluctuates from day to day to day to day to day. The name of Jesus doesn't fluctuate. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when I read in this enlightenment here the word of God, the name of Jesus hadn't lost its power. 
hasn't lost its authority. But because of unforgiveness in my life, does that cause the name of Jesus to not have the umph that it really has? I believe it does. So I'm, I'm meditating on these lines. And the Lord brought back a, a, a story that this is true. This happened to me. It happened to me somewhere in the early 2000s. There was a lady who would come to church every week. And on the outside, she looked like everything was fine. But over a couple of months, she was diagnosed with having a tumor in her stomach. And that tumor began to grow and began to grow until it was the size of a volleyball in her stomach. Literally was taken over. So she calls one day and she's a believer and she said, Pastor, I believe in you anoint me with oil. I believe you pray over me in the name of Jesus. You lay hands on me and I'll be healed. She said, would you come up and pray for me? And I said, I will. Well, I was going to do it on an afternoon. And so I came in here and I began to pray. And I got in here and I, I have this thought. And this is how the Lord operates with me with thoughts a lot of times. And the thought was very clear that said, don't pray for her. And again, when that thought came, I, I was like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did I hear you correctly? And again, I heard the Lord say, don't pray for her. And so I, I prayed for a while and, and I continued to hear him. And so I, I get in my car and I'm driving up there and I'm praying on the way up there. And the closer I get to the hospital, the more authoritative God became with me. It was no longer don't pray for her. It was like, don't pray for her. So I'm like, Lord, what do I do? So I get on the elevator and I'm going, I'm going to Covenant, the West Wing, the sixth floor. I remember it clearly this day. Ding, 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 floor by floor by floor. The door opens and I realize that's her room. And I sense the Lord say, don't pray for her. I walk in, she sits up in the bed. Bing, pastor, you're here. I'm so blessed that you would come to pray for me. Now I'm in a great dilemma. Do I obey God? Or do I pray a courtesy prayer over this woman even though I know in my heart God's not gonna answer it? And so she said again, I'm so blessed that you would come to pray for me. And when she said it the second time, I looked at her and I said, I'm not going to pray for you. And I said, the Lord told me not to pray for you because you have a root of unforgiveness in you. And until you repent of that, God can't do anything. And when I said that, it was like a volcano erupted. She spewed. And I looked at her like, I've never seen this. And her, her, her face changed, her voice changed, and she said, I'll never forgive him. I'll go to my grave before I'll forgive him. And I looked and I realized, that's why the Lord was telling me that. 
Was God doing that to punish her? No, God loved her enough to say, you got to get rid of that unforgiveness. And so I looked at her and I said, until you forgive, I wash my hands of this. And I left. So none of us in this room are exempt from carrying around unforgiveness. And understand this. Again, I'm, I'm not saying what people did to you wasn't right or wrong. It may have been horrific, but again, he said, you forgive them because if you don't forgive them, this thing called the root of bitterness springs up within us and it causes trouble and many, 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 any, many, 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 many mo are contaminated or defiled by it. So what do I do with this pastor? Well, if I've got the a root of unforgiveness in me, the first thing I do is I go to Father God and I say, Father God, I ask you to forgive me of that. The second thing I do is one of the definitions for the word forgive means to release. To release judgment, conflict, or guilt that you put against that other person. And it may be for your, through the words of your mouth, you say, Father God, I forgive them. And then you know what you get to do? You start praying for them. And when you start praying for them, I'm just giving you warning. It's not easy to pray for them, especially to pray blessings on them. But what I found out in my life, it's very hard to pray for someone you hate. And so it becomes a, a statement of faith. And you may say, what do we pray? You pray Matthew 5, verse 42, 43, 44 in that area. And you know what you'll see? He said, pray for those who despise you. Pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who curse you. Pray for those who wrong you. And so I come in here and, and I start praying and I start walking right here and I start praying and I say their name. Father God, I ask that, that I forgive Johnny and I ask you to forgive him and I release him. And there's times I've prayed that, that it took everything within me to pray that. I didn't want to pray that. I wanted to pray what I call the Brutus prayer. Get Brutus here, Father God, and whack him right in the kneecap. You did, Pastor? That's how I felt. But again, the other side, if I don't obey the wings of God and I don't release this, God can't move in my life. And the thing is, I'm not exempt from verse 15. And neither are you. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.